Welcome to the Women's Mentoring Network of Canada, a podcast about ex-cadet women mentoring and building community together. I'm your host, Amanda Calhouse, a graduate of the Royal Military College of Canada, class of 1994 in electrical engineering. So good evening. Tonight on the podcast, we have Lydia Evico. So welcome to the podcast, Lydia. Thank you for having me. It's great to meet you and I'm looking forward to our conversation tonight. I was doing a little bit more research as I've been talking to, I've actually been talking to a few people this week and setting up future interviews. And I thought you were potentially our, our youngest guest on the podcast, <laughs> but I forgot that we had Anna Michelle Schufelt, who was class of 2012 oh, awesome. in our first season. So, but you're pretty close. So <laughs> tell our listeners about when you graduated and what program you took. Yeah, so I'm from the class of 2008 from RMC in Kingston, uh, and I took civil engineering in school. It's great to talk to you. And I guess we'll start off by saying that you are still serving in the forces. You're a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, what role you're doing today. And, and even if you want to go through sort of a little bit of your career path. Yeah, for sure. So like I said, I joined in 2003, did the CMR and then RMC. And funny enough, when I joined, I didn't know anything about the military, not nothing whatsoever. Air Force, Army was all the same to me, officer and CM, all the same. Um, so I really just joined, you know, for the adventure to see what it would be. I thought RMC would be interesting. I had I had seen a poster in a magazine that showed me, uh, you know, the university with a difference. And I thought, why not? Let's see what, what it's all about. So I went to the recruiting center with a friend, picked a trade. Uh, so my trade is a construction engineer, which at the time was called airfield engineer. And in French, that was Genie de l'air. And I just thought the name sounded funny. So I learned that sheet by heart and then went in for my interview and basically said, this is what I want to be. And I, I, I probably sounded very confident, even though I had no idea what it did. And that's how I, I got in. And Really, I had no expectation of being in this long. I'm now 18 and a bit years in, but it's been only positive so far, so I don't see why not. So after RMC, I ended up in Gagetown, like everybody else, for training. And then I ended up in Gander, where I am now. So my first posting was here as well. And again, the train of thought of a 20-some years old, my idea was I've never visited Newfoundland, so why not ask for a posting there? And That's how I'm going to do it. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I uh, It was a good idea, but I ended up being on the ground for a very short period of time and somehow ended up deploying to the uh, 2010 Olympics in Vancouver, um, ah. which was which was a bit of a, you know, right place, right time. Cold Lake, who was the Air Force component going to the Olympics, uh, was too busy. So they asked for some help. And uh, me being with a, a reserve unit in Gander was a, was a good fit. So I ended up okay. flying across the country a few times supporting that and it was amazing. Think of it, you know, a lieutenant and I was the only engineer for the Air Force sitting at the table with left-hand colonels at the time, defending my piece of the pie and, and going through with it. So it was absolutely amazing. I loved it. Oh, that's awesome. I loved it. And Gander was, was great as well. My boss was in Nova Scotia, so I was kind of by myself with my oh, team and being yeah. a reserve unit. I was a 2LT when I showed up and my my 2YC was a captain. So I remember calling him, calling him sir, and he was getting sir. so mad that I was calling him sir. He's like, you're my boss. Stop doing this. <laughs> so yeah, it was, a, it was a fantastic experience. Since then, I've been to quite a few places. Moncton with the engineer unit there, uh, who have now moved to Kingston. Baggettville, 
back to Gagetown uh, to instruct at our school, which was another fascinating, fascinating experience. And then Cold Lake, Toronto for uh, Staff College, Ottawa, and now back in Gander as the wing commander. Wow. Well, congratulations, because I think that's an awesome achievement, being the wing commander. So thank you. Congratulations to you on that. And like a lot of moving about, though, right? I mean, that sounded like a lot of moves in 18 years. <laughs> and is. if four of those years were at the college, <laughs> that's a lot. I, I've had, I've had a, a handful, uh, I think three now, three one-year postings. Um, wow. Obviously, Toronto is, is automatically a yeah. one-year posting, but uh, Gander was a one-year posting and Bagotville was a one-year posting just because of timing. Uh, I was promoted in Bagotville and they just didn't have a job for me there, so off I go. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Gander, uh, it just, everything happened very fast. And, and that was one thing that, it, that really took me by surprise. I think when I was at the college, I was thinking, okay, first posting, you know, second left in it. I'll, I'll do a two-year in, in Gander. It will be nice and chill. I started working on my master's degree my own time. And then I ended up spending less than five months on the ground and I was deployed the rest of the time. So it was very, very fast starting, uh, but I absolutely loved it. It was it was exactly what I needed. Wow, that's really amazing. And, you know, so you saw this magazine about this university <laughs> with a difference. I'm actually kind of curious because... In 1993, they did some photo shoots and some of my oh. classmates were in some of the advertisements. So if you ever get a hold of a copy, we should post that on the... Absolutely. <laughs> on I, still, I still have it at home, so I'll make sure to post it when I get back. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Because I'm, I'm really curious uh, if there's some, you know, members of our, our Facebook group that are in your picture <laughs> that inspired you to go to the college. Because I love hearing those stories because there have been a couple, right, where people saw the magazine article of four of the first 32 women or the, sorry, the Toronto Star yep. newspaper article. And and that's what, you know, got them, yep. you know, to the Queen's side. So I, I think this, you know... Whether we realized it or not, there was mentoring happening way back, you know, back when, when, when that was happening. It wasn't necessarily, you know, calling each other and talking about stuff, but it was inspiration because other people were doing it. Absolutely. So. And sometimes I, I look at, you know, all the efforts that are being put in for recruiting and, and trying to really go deep into what, what do the public wants and how do, can we attract them? And sometimes I think, you know, as a, I was 16, 17 at the time when I was looking at it, me at the time anyways I, I wasn't looking for you know a stable career or a, a good paycheck or anything like that I was just looking for that adventure so I think we need to keep that in mind also going forward for sure it's so true I, I was talking to somebody the other day and they said you know for them it was you know at 17 they were thinking about fun and yeah. where, where could they go to have fun <laughs> that was not me I was looking for a place that would give me a job after <laughs> You know, it takes all kinds, <laughs> right? Absolutely. <So, laughs> Very true. But that's that's awesome. So, you know, what was sort of that experience like for you? Like, how did you end up, you know, going through that that application yeah. process? So so applying was was interesting. So I had another friend who was interested in, in RMC as well. So we went together. She ended up not applying because uh, she couldn't get what she wanted there. So for me, I, I put my name in and everything else. 
got a call. I didn't even realize what I was signing up for, to be honest. Um, I had another friend in my area who we showed up at the recruiting center at the same time and we're like, hey, next time we should give each other rides, not realizing we were going through the same program. So when then we showed up in Saint-Jean together, we're like, hey, look at this. Next time oh, we should wow. give each other rides. So it was very, <laughs> it, it was a completely blind, you know, in the dark experience, but it was, uh, it was all good. I still remember uh, when I got the phone call that I had been accepted, my dad had got the call uh, or it, they left a voicemail, sorry, they left a voicemail, my dad had heard it, so when I came home, he was like, oh, you should listen to the voicemail, there's, a, there's something for you there, and I was just jumping, uh, listening to that, it was it was a really exciting time, just, you know, you you never know, you don't know if you're, if you're good enough or whatever, and I was never a, I was never a straight A student by any means, I was always decent, but not, not the top, so I never knew whether or not, where the bar was, basically, um, yeah, so Saint-Jean was, was very interesting prep year because now you have, you know, 120 people that are brand new with very little oversight where we were the only class there, obviously, at the time. Um, so I remember standing in line, I think, to, to get our room keys or something like that. And the sergeant yelling at me because I was smiling, I'm like, you're not supposed to smile. And I can't help it. I'm a, I'm a, I always smile. So it was, it was a very interesting first few days. And I remember my, uh, my neighbor back home who had been in the military always told me, you know, keep in mind during training, it's all a game. Just keep that in mind. So I always had that in the back of my mind. So whenever I was being yelled at, whenever I was in trouble for not following orders or anything like that, I would just, it's a game, just get over it. It never really got to me or anything like that. So uh, I felt very comfortable, even though I wasn't really wasn't in my element whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, it is. It seems so interesting, especially for people who've come in that didn't have any exposure. Just even that little bit of advice, I think, yeah. you know, makes a difference. It might have made it might have made a difference for some folks that, you know, didn't realize that it was a game. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I think some people took it so personally being yelled at and all those things and that uh, it really changes how you see how you see that training. Is it good or bad? I, I don't know. Maybe they didn't necessarily break me to the same extent that they would have hoped, but yeah. uh, it is what it is. <laughs> um, and then, well, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, well, I hope, I hope we're getting away from the, <laughs> the notion of breaking people I and it's so. more, <laughs> more about getting, you know, getting the full experience, like people learning what they need to learn without yeah. having to <laughs> strike down their previous character. I think so. I think so. And, and interestingly enough, my RMC, so my Kingston experience was not the same as what I've heard a lot of women talk about on the podcast or what I'm seeing now. Right. So when I was there, it was a bit of a transition period at RMC where a lot of, I think it was because there was a lot of construction going on they were running out of room I don't I don't really remember but they were very much encouraging people to live off-site so I did all my half of my third year and all of my fourth year living in town and most of my peers uh, were as well so I have a very close-knit relation with my class uh, but I don't I basically don't know anyone um, from the years after which which is too bad now but yeah. at the time we, we loved it we had lots of freedom very I would say very little military aspect to the college. We still had the positions and everything else. Uh, and I still held some of those positions like squadron leaders and, and so on. But it was a very different relationship uh, than what a lot of the other classes have had. Uh, I also had, uh, I was part of three different squadron in four years. So after second year, everybody switches squadron. I think, I don't know if it's still like that, but we did at the time. So I went from six squadron to one squadron and then, when I was in fourth year, they stood up, uh, 
don't know how many new squadron, a couple new squadrons. And so they pulled a whole bunch of people from uh, all across the squadrons right. to form them. So I changed squadron once again. It was 13 squadrons. So when you ask, like, if someone asked me, you know, which squadron do you affiliate with? I couldn't answer. I probably six squadron, but, you know, it's I'm so sure. interesting because yeah. it's, you know, it speaks to the different experiences, even in the last 20 years, sure. you know, that people have, you know, and I, I can imagine some of the current cadets are, you know, they're going through a very different experience than any of us did with having to learn from home and things like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's really interesting because I think, you know, especially as ex-cadets, we have this like this romantic notion in our heads of like when I was at the college <laughs> yeah, <this is> <laughs> and everything is always you know <laughs> that there's this consistency and there's this um you know these traditions and patterns and you know it's it's really interesting to see that they really haven't you know they they change regularly absolutely and we we sometimes just don't you're no you're not even aware because you're not there and you're not yep. going through it. Uh, my sister-in-law graduated in 97 and she had a you know her experience at RMC she talked about on a previous episode. You know, she lived on the base and they were, you know, I think similar to you. They had all their meals in like in the engineering buildings oh. and they didn't even use the mess. And so even in the 90s, that happened yep. because of everyone coming together. And so it is interesting. It is. We, we didn't talk about this before, but I wonder if you have a perspective because I was at the College for a Reunion in 2018. I think it was my husband's 25th. And the Commandant at the time is in the class of 93. And he had mentioned about them bringing the four pillars back to RMC. And I just, to me, it was an offhand comment. And then I saw something last year in the, you know, more in, or the year before, I can't remember exactly in the media about, you know, on social media about, yes, there's going to be the four pillars. And I, I thought to myself, when did they stop being four yeah. pillars? And so I'm curious, because you said there wasn't much military, yeah. like, was there a requirement when you guys were graduating for all of those yeah. different things? So so okay. there was. I guess what I mean by the military component is more of that that cohesion where you're spending all your time with your with right. your peer and that that pride in, you know, one of the squadron you're representing or one of the company and whatnot. We didn't necessarily have that to the same extent. It was there, but it was kind of just, oh, I have to show up for this parade. Okay, uh, I'll drive in half an hour earlier tonight, uh, this morning, <laughs> you know, things like that. So it was a very yeah. different different kind of experience um, a little bit so I think I think it's good it's a really good thing to bring it back uh, one thing that I really appreciated with the way we had it is well if you think of it we're all a whole bunch of 18 years old joining uh, RNC and then you get cut out at the end of when you graduate and now you're in charge of you know 50 people or whatever uh, your right. job is there was no transition so for us being able to live live out and being responsible, having an apartment and, and all those, you know, mm. real life skills, it actually offered a little bit of growth where we wouldn't necessarily, I think we would have got there, but um, yeah. it, it, it was a bit smoother of a transition, I would say. And for me personally, I think that's mm. that's the year that I, I really found my way. I, I became who I, 
who I should have been all along, but who I wasn't necessarily at the beginning. I think like everybody else, we're, we're trying to fit in when we first get into an environment that we don't know anything about. And I remember my parents telling me like, oh my gosh, like you're, you're swearing, like I've never seen someone swear and you're, you know, in the first couple of years. And I didn't even realize I was, I was becoming like that. And I didn't necessarily like that. So I think by that time I was really I guess maturing, becoming a little more comfortable with who I am and um, striving. It's really when I started being more confident in what I was doing. So, yeah. It is interesting to think about, you know, sort of that personal growth and, you know, living in town, having to take care of bills and, you know, cooking, I guess, and all of those things. Yeah. You know, it was funny because it does sound like in some trades, you'll finish, you know, RMC and go straight to a unit. I think with a lot of the engineering trades, you end up doing training after. And so in that training, I had the chance to live out before I had my first command. So I, I, you know, it was actually just talking about that with a colleague at work today. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I had 50 employees when I was 21, 22. (laughs) Such a, she, she was like, what? Like that's, that's unheard of. Yeah. But but to be honest, and, and that was what that first posting in Gander was for me was basically here's the key and, and do what you think is right. And then same thing for the Olympics because Haiti happened. Everybody turned their right. attention to Haiti and here I was just making things happen and, and being trusted with things that nowadays we probably would be sending, you know, a major or like Colonel to, to, to do that job just because we've changed our level of trust in a, in a sense. And I don't know if we've changed or if it was just, they didn't really have a choice at the time. It was kind of, you know, yeah. things are happening yeah. just continue doing what you're doing kind of thing. So being given those opportunities so early on builds your confidence so much. And, and I'm hundred percent certain that anybody else that would have been in the same boat in that same situation would have done really well as well, because I was trusted. I, I really, really felt like, you know, whether I made a mistake or not, people had my back and I could make decisions without feeling that someone else was going to come and just change everything or, or whatever. Right. So I'm really trying to do that now in this position and every position I've held is to give that trust to, to junior members, the same one that I had, and you know, give them that comfort that they can fail or they can go ahead and you know try things and do it the way that they would want to do and not just try to do it how I would do it, for example. It's very yeah. hard sometimes because we all have an opinion. We all want to do things our own way. But I find that's what made me who I am now, for sure. It speaks to the idea of autonomy, right? And giving people autonomy. Exactly. And, you know, some of the the reading that I've done over the years is especially, you know, as as society has changed and we have a more knowledge-based society that, you know, that is what people are looking for. They're looking for autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And, uh, you know, if you can start to provide those things that that's how you, you know, that's also how you keep people. (laughs) Most definitely, most definitely. And it's, it's hard. It's hard to do it because I think we all have that want or that need to be in charge and and so on and so forth. So letting go is not something that we're necessarily good at. So uh, yeah, it it, it really needs to be a a conscious decision to do that. That's so true. So you're 18 years into your career. I assume there was sort of a decision point somewhere between, you know, the 10 and 12 year mark to, to stay in and you know, are you approaching another decision point or is it a 25 year for you? Yeah, I'm on the 25. So they changed from 20 to 25 while I was at RMC. We weren't given the the (laughs) choice. It was uh, was automatic. And you had the chance to either take five-year contracts uh, increments or 
sign directly for 25. I signed directly for 25 without even thinking, to be honest, because once again, I'm having fun. I'm really enjoying it. So as long as I am, and I love the fact that we change jobs so frequently, it's, you know, it, it might be the same trade, but what I'm doing today and what I was doing a year ago is completely different. Uh, same thing when I was teaching and so on and so forth. So I still feel like I'm learning every day and, and everything else. So I see no reason to leave. Obviously, families will come in, in the play uh, eventually, but even right now, even looking at it today, uh, you know, I'll probably go past the 25 just because we're in a good, uh, a good place for it. That's awesome to hear. And, you know, speaking about families, you know, with all of these moves, you know, I wanted to ask, like, what's your family situation right now? And how has that worked for you? Yeah, so I, I met my husband when I was in, uh, I was posted to Gagetown, and he was actually from New Zealand. Uh, we met playing a, a trivia game online and we we're both fairly stubborn. So we kept at it uh, and eventually realized we had a lot in common and uh, really liked each other. So that was that. He uh, he moved just before, uh, the year before I was posted to Cold Lake. He came over on the company transfer and uh, lived in Edmonton while I was getting ready to move to Cold Lake and then eventually started uh, working remotely from Cold Lake. And lucky for us, he's a software engineer, so he gets to work remotely wherever we go. So before, you know, when uh, when we have a posting in mine, uh, he'll look up what the internet looks like there. And if it's good enough, gives me the thumbs up and uh, we put our name down for it. So it's been that uh, we're very, very fortunate for that. Uh, it makes things very easy. On the other hand, we don't have children yet. Uh, that's, uh, you know, part of the, the military tradition of trying to plan everything and trying to <laughs> have everything in order and, and go as you planned. Uh, we realized early on when we started trying to have a have a family that uh, things don't work that way when it comes to having children. And so we're one of those uh, lucky, unlucky, unlucky probably, uh, <laughs> couples who have to go through uh, fertility treatment, uh, which is what we're doing at the moment. That's why I'm in Ottawa this week, actually. Yep. So it's not uh, not easy, especially out of gander. But again, something that we can manage uh, at this point but interestingly enough like I said uh, you know I remember having conversation with friends early on when we we're left-handed captain you know thinking okay like I'd like to have children at this point in my career in this position because that way it doesn't make me miss out on too much and so on and so forth and I remember so just before I came to to gander to disposition I found out that I was pregnant and I was I was losing sleep over it I was so nervous I was so scared to tell my boss that that was coming up because I thought, okay, I'm going to lose this opportunity. There's no way they were sending me there if in, you know, nine months I'm going to have a baby. And so I remember calling my future boss before I was in the job and just putting it all on the table. And that's always been my approach, being very upfront about it. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was floored. Um, their reaction was, congratulations, we're so happy for you. And, you know, when it's time to go, we'll find someone to replace you. And then you can probably stay a little bit longer so you can get your time in command. It was so supportive. It was just That's amazing. incredible. And and it gave me such a, such a relief. You have no idea. It was, it was oh, eye-opening. Uh, but, you know, it was, it was interesting because this whole time in my mind, it was, you know, if this comes up, I'm going to lose the opportunity that I have. And so for a while, we were pushing back even applying for a position like that because we were trying to have a family. It was a very hard balance. And then eventually I just said, you know what, things will happen when it happened and then we'll go from there. So that's kind of how I came to be. And I'm hoping that, you know, if it happens while I'm in this job, that it can kind of show that it can be done for others coming behind me because there is still people that are being denied opportunities because they're about right. to be pregnant or they already are, things like that. So hopefully that will, uh, that will help. 
Yeah. And just to sort of catch our listeners up, you were pregnant. Yes. You're trying to gain, but you were not able Correct. to have a child the last time. Yeah, so. we, we lost it literally a week before my change command, actually. Oh, yeah. It happens. So sad, though, right? It like, it is, you know, it is a, a sad time for people. And I think just being able to talk about that and for others to know that they're not alone. Absolutely. Going through things like this, because I think there are probably others going through fertility treatments. There are others who've tried and been unsuccessful and the whole gamut. Absolutely. Um, as I remember from our, you know, when we were first recruiting into the Canadian forces, we're a cross-section of Canadian society. And so the things Absolutely. that happen in society, they happen to people in the military too. Absolutely. And, so. and being, you know, it puts me in a very unique situation. You know, I'm 35 years old now. So, and most women, Disney and age are having kids later and later in life. So yeah. we can no longer, and, sh- and never should have, should we have before, but we cannot punish people because of being a woman and wanting to have a family, those things are going to happen at the same time as, you know, key position, command position, and, and realistically, any anything else in between. So it's good to see that the mentality has changed. Uh, I don't yeah. think we're quite where we need to be yet, but it, it's definitely going in the right direction. I'm glad to hear that. So switching topics, maybe a, a little bit, we talked a little bit about, you know, the growth that you experienced sort of in that last year at RMC. But is there, you know, anything that you learned about yourself through your time at RMC that you maybe have reflected on later? <laughs> yeah, so what I realized is that I am not, you know, I'm, I'm walking down the street, I do not look for probably sound military <laughs> at all and that that it's okay uh, at the time I didn't think it was because again I was I was in trouble regularly we'll, we'll call it that for, for uh, you know talking when I shouldn't talk or laughing when I shouldn't laugh and all that kind of stuff and you know I felt like I had to be someone else so learning that it's okay to be yourself and I was lucky enough that I had people that recognized that fairly early on and allowed me to be that way uh, I didn't feel the pressure coming out of RMC afterwards to be different, but I think it really made me realize that that was okay. My, I remember my uh, my squadron commander in fourth year was the first one to kind of make that obvious, make that clear. You know, having honest conversation with us and really showing us that it's okay to be different from the previous person that was there, or being different from from others, and so on and so forth. So that's what stuck with me, and will be forever for sure. That's awesome. Now. As a construction engineer, right? Yeah. Now, did you have many women ahead of you in your field? And how has that been for mentorship? Yeah. So interestingly enough, our trade has a fair amount of women. And some of them became mentors of mine, not necessarily because I, I went out and reached, reached out to, to try to get a mentorship out of them, but because we were crossing paths along our career and we became friends. And so as a friend, I would turn to them for advice on personal stuff, just as much as professional things. And so they became mentors for me fairly early on. But our class, interestingly enough, for construction engineers, when I uh, when I went through training, were almost 50, 50% women, which was wow. unheard of and really a very great group. Um, so we definitely fed off each other and learned from each other. Some of us were roommates. It was really, really a good experience. Wow, that's awesome. Almost 50%. I can't even picture that. <laughs> that must have been amazing. It was. Just, yep. I mean, 
I guess if you don't know any different either, though, it's hard to... <laughs> well, so the, the rest of my training, whether it's basic training uh, or a phase to the uh, the army phase, we were only a handful of women in each platoon. So it was really special to be that way. And really, we don't know if it was an anomaly or why, but it just kind of happened that mm. way. And, and it worked out well, actually. Most of them were still in. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's even better. Yeah. Are you a tight group? Like, did that sort of... Oh, absolutely. You know, bond you? Absolutely. Well, some yeah. of them were already good friend of mine beforehand. And so we definitely became uh, even closer. And still now, they're the one I reach out to, you know, for those, you know, I was talking about the family decisions and career decisions and those things. They're some of the first people that I will reach out to, uh, for sure. That's fantastic. It is interesting to think, right? That's part of the reason I even started the podcast is because, we didn't necessarily have as tight connections except with, you know, a few people. And so to have that with a group that is doing the exact same thing as you and have gone through, you know, yep. very similar experiences. Yeah. That's awesome. And I'm I'm jealous. I'm, I'm, I'm really so I'm really enjoying the podcast because it's giving me that chance. It's giving me a chance to learn from folks that I would never of cross paths with, right? Especially those that Fair. have left the military since then. I'm just eating that information and those experiences. So it's amazing. So thank you for doing them. Oh, thank you. It is interesting. I think just the point you made about, you know, you get advice from your peers and from, you know, the, the friendship you've made along the way. And I think something that as people are, are maybe leaving the forces or have left, we don't necessarily have those same opportunities to, to connect yeah. Um, so I think this, you know, maybe even more so for the, for the folks that are not <laughs> in anymore, there's an even greater opportunity, for Sure. but I appreciate that you're finding that as well. I think that's a positive benefit, side benefit. <laughs> so maybe what have been some of the highlights for you? Cause it sounds like you've, you've had a very interesting <laughs> 18 years. So absolutely. Can you distill it down to a couple of highlights? <laughs> I'll pick a couple. So the deployments were always a highlight. So I'm not even going to touch on that because I think it's a given almost. But again, lots of very interesting opportunities that kind of came, you know, right time, right place. So those were amazing, both Afghanistan and Iraq a few years back. Uh, but something that I wouldn't necessarily have thought of as career highlights, but I think it's important. One was the time I had at the school. So I was the senior instructor for the, uh, the construction engineers and the uh, CE superintendent, so the warrants um, okay. in our trade. And that was absolutely amazing. So seeing those students go through tasks and go through situations that they themselves don't think they can do it and working through problems, sometimes failing and coming back and trying again and again and eventually succeeding and, and then seeing them afterwards in their jobs and doing amazing things, it gives me so much pride. I did not think yeah. I would enjoy it that much, but I think I'll probably follow their career for the rest of their for their, the rest of their careers, I guess, um, because it's so fascinating. And I absolutely love it. When I hear someone else working with them, giving positive feedback, I'm like, oh, yes, I saw that in them. I knew they right. could. And it, it's just so, so fascinating, so amazing. So that's definitely a highlight. And yeah, I would go back in a heartbeat. It was, it was just super interesting. The second one was actually an experience I had on, uh, on JCSP. So uh, when I did my staff college in Toronto, 
I got the chance to work in industry for a semester instead of taking classes. Um, so I ended up going to Calgary and working with the, um, Atco Frontech, which is a, a company that does operational support for all sorts of things all around the world. And I picked them because I'd seen them on deployment and I thought, let's see what, the, mm. uh, what they're all about, how they work, how they operate, uh, and see what kind of parallel I can draw with the military and what kind of lessons we could, uh, we could learn. So you know, joining the military at 17, I never worked in industry. I've worked side by side with industry, especially as a construction engineer, but not, right. not in it. So, so seeing, seeing the difference in what, especially what we have in common, you know, mm-hmm. how we approach from, how we deal with it, their, their trust in their people. That was one thing that really stood with me. Mm-hmm. They really, really, you know, they dedicate down to the, the lowest level and they really empower their people to make decisions because people are money. And so you don't want more people than you need to really. Yep. So that was really, really interesting. And, you know, seeing how we can be more efficient and how we do things and so on and so forth. What really stuck with me as well was that balance of being credible as a business while maintaining profitability and, and trying <laughs> to find that balance is something I am not familiar with and not I would say even not comparable with having only been in the military. I've always been used to, you know, yeah, you have a budget, but at the end of the day, you get the job done. That's really, you know, the primacy of it. So finding that, you know, looking at problems differently was very interesting, but it helped me get more comfortable looking at industry and probably, you know, if I have to leave eventually, I won't be as stressed as I would have been otherwise. Yeah. Um, yeah. No that, doubt. That makes sense. Yeah. For sure. It is interesting. Yeah, I've talked to quite a few people who left after long careers and, you know, the only interview they'd ever done was at the recruiting center. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, it's a skill set. Interviewing is a skill set. I've I've, I've had to develop it myself over the years. Even being in the same company, we interview for different jobs. So at least it's something you have the opportunity. But you know, that's not the case in the military, right? You get assigned to your new job. You don't typically interview. No, absolutely. And it's, it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah, yeah it, it, it is a skill, right? Yep. You do have to, to practice it and to hone it. Well, it's been awesome talking to you today, Lydia. Before we wrap up, I would like to ask if there's any advice that you would like to give others at any stage in their career might be or life in general that you'd like to pass on. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So I think that the biggest thing for me, and I got it from my parents actually, is not to hesitate to take a chance and to be bold. There's not a lot of choices you make in life that are going to be negative. They might take you down a different path, but at the end of the day, they're all going to shape you as a person. So I, I grew up in Switzerland. And so when when I was about 10 years old, my parents sold everything and moved to Canada not knowing anything, literally, I remember as a, I would have been about eight or nine years old, they took us to see a video, uh, to, to, to watch a video of what Canada, it was before the internet, so watch a video about what Canada was about, and I remember Inuit eating raw seal and police on horses, and I was like, this is where we're going? <laughs> and we moved in March, so we landed in, in Mirabelle, and it looked exactly like it did in the video. It was, it was very traumatizing, but my parents never hesitated. They, they jumped on it, and they made a, an amazing career out of it. My dad is now the mayor of the town and, and they've really embraced wow. it. So, you know, it, it, it's a path that was definitely less less traveled, um, yes. <laughs> but you never know what comes, what comes with it. So, you know, I've had those experiences. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep going wherever I can go, as exotic as it can be. 
Uh, and when I say exotic, I'm talking places like Gander, which I I was going to say, Gander. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely love it. But that's the thing, you know, you have to allow yourself to to take those jumps and to see what's on the other side. It's, It's absolutely worth it. Well, I think that's an awesome place for us to wrap up. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lydia. It's been great talking to you. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you for joining us today on the Women's Mentoring Network of Canada podcast. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, please reach out to us at wmncanada at gmail.com or on Instagram. Special thanks to our podcast editor, Ethan Kowenka.